Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach with another fantastic interview. My guest is Susan Meyer. She is a brand strategist. We're going to talk about brands. And she's also a visual artist, and she's the founder of Susan Meyer Studio. She is on a mission to dispel the myth that creativity and strategy are at odds to help business leaders electrify their work and amplify their impact. Susan has developed a unique point of view that is driven by the merger of analytical and creative thinking. She's designed a set of processes and tools that get teams to problem solve more creatively, help them define their mission, vision, and differentiators with clarity and bring the brands to life in this big world we live in. She has gravitated toward healthcare, which offers up the exciting challenge of finding creative solutions for some of the most complex problems out there today. I know healthcare sounds pretty complicated. We're going to dig into that. At the Boston Consulting Group, where Susan began her career, she became fascinated by the deep emotional connections that brands can build with consumers. She went on to work for boutique branding agencies, focusing on customer research, product innovation, and package design, and she also had the privilege to work with some of the world's leading corporations, including Unilever, Pepsi, Kellogg's, Mars, Samsung, just to name a few. Susan, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Good. Well, I've been a marketer a long time, but I don't have the creds that you have. <laughs> you sounds like you've uh, got quite an education and, and, and also the, the experience working with some pretty big companies. I have been very uh, blessed to work with such a wide range of interesting folks and interesting companies. And I read where you have a BA in our history from Dartmouth and an MBA from Harvard, just to name a, a few small schools that people may have heard of. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so when did you go to, so when you got out of college, did you know you wanted to get into marketing, branding? Like what was that path like? Not at all. In fact, I don't think I knew that branding existed. Um, I certainly didn't go through my art history major thinking, oh, and then when I graduate, I'm going to be a business consultant. <laughs> but um, those folks came to campus to recruit and they positioned the job, which was true, as something that would be good for people who were interested in solving interesting puzzles. And I did enjoy that. And I went through some of their case study interviews. And I thought, first of all, I had no idea any background to bring to those questions they were asking me. And I just found it kind of a clean slate that was super interesting. And indeed, they gave me an amazing education there. You know, I mentioned in the little green room before we got going, this, I'm in my seventh year of interviewing people and I cannot believe the, I mean, the vast majority, I don't know, it might be 80% totally unscientific, 80% of the people go to school for one thing and end up doing something else. It's pretty strange. It really does seem to be the case these days. Um, so right out of college, um, tell me about your, tell me about the early, um, early career and then how did you kind of get into branding? 
Well, I turned up at the Boston Consulting Group as probably the only person they'd hire who'd never opened a spreadsheet before. So that was interesting. Um, and I ended up by virtue of that getting assigned to projects where I did a lot more uh, people skills. So I did a lot of interviews, gravitated toward their consumer goods practice. And it was actually after business, they put me through business school and it was actually after business school uh, which was around the time when companies were trying to work out what their brands meant in an online environment that I discovered the discipline of branding. Um, and that very interesting question at the time of what does your brand really truly mean? So for example, if you were a retailer, historically pre-internet, you thought your brand had a lot to do with your bricks and mortar retail experience. And then to reinvent that or redefine that in an ethereal online space was a fascinating challenge. And so I had the opportunity to actually go out and speak to consumers across a, a whole range of industries about what their relationship was with this particular, you know, book retailer or uh, cosmetics brand or uh, alcohol brand. And I just was hooked. I thought that was completely fascinating. And it also brought in the visual side, you know, so there I was going home at night and painting in my easel at home and then showing up at work in the morning and doing this um, very kind of quantitative analytical job and this consumer research piece and branding piece uh, was very much driven by pictures because that's a big part of what we use when we talk to consumers. A picture's worth a thousand words as they say and so when you're really trying to understand someone's emotions around something, having them communicate with you in pictures is really helpful. So that drew me into that part of it as well. I wonder when, when you were out there, were you running focus groups or when you say you were talking to consumers, what did that look like? Yeah, we did focus groups. We did one-on-ones. We did store intercepts, which means when you meet somebody outside the store and you talk to them for a few minutes and give them a survey, we did phone surveys, all different methodologies. When, and what did you learn about um, loyalty? Because I mean, that's really, when you think of some brands and customers have such an affinity to certain things, like they just don't sway, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or stray. Yeah. What, yeah, what, really, what, what are some of the driving forces behind, you know, that kind of loyalty? That's such a great question. And there were a couple of projects where that was explicitly the brief to either create a loyalty program or to investigate what drove loyalty. And I would say, you know, of course it's different for different brands, but the, the one insight I, I took away that I think is applicable to everyone are these moments of delight really drive loyalty. And so there's two pieces to that. One is that it's individual moments. So you of course have to be consistent as a brand or as a company in your interactions over time with your customer base, right? That's very important. But there are these important inflection moments, whether it's they've called into customer service because they're having a problem or they ordered something to be gift wrapped or, you know, something that's a little bit of a one-off or unusual kind of experience they're having with you. And it's in those moments when you sort of make or break that, that loyalty relationship with them. 
Right. And the second piece is delight because of course the delight piece is how you make it not break it. And so if you have that, those, that moment and you manage to delight them, in other words, to go over and above their expectations in a way that surprises them, that is a very, very strong connection you can make. To me, it's like, um, you know what they say about a reputation. It takes a long time to develop a good reputation. Then you can lose it in like seconds, right? Um, so when, when people are attracted to brands, and I don't care if it's boats or, or beer or pizza or whatever it is, people love, oh, this is, this is mine. This is what I like. But then, you know, one or two bad experiences and all of a sudden, you know, you're ready to jump off the, the gravy train, so to speak. Absolutely. And it's really a bit like friendship, right? You can say, we do say the same thing about friendships. You know, it takes a, a long time to build them. And then in one moment, you can spoil the whole thing. And I often think about and talk with my clients about thinking about brands as friends, because you have an, an intimate personal relationship with the people that you're serving. And that's true, whether it's a consumer brand or even a business to business brand, because even with business to business, you still have a human on the other end of that transaction. And so thinking about it in that way, really taking it seriously, the way that you would take your relationship with a friend, I think is the right way to approach it. So when did you, um, when did you start your own firm, Susan Meyer Studio? So almost 10 years ago, I went out on my own. Um, we've actually had a couple of iterations of the name of the company as we've grown. But um, yeah, it's been quite a while that I myself have been an entrepreneur, really solopreneur, because I, I, I did want go out not with the intention of building an agency, but really with the intention of uh, having my own independent business. I work with other people as collaborators, of course, all the time. Um, but part of it for me was the freedom that it afforded me in terms of my you know, personal life as an artist, as a mother, um, and just as a person who's kind of curious about the world, likes to travel, um, having that freedom to carve out my own life and my own schedule around the work that I enjoyed doing. So 10 years ago, that's pretty good. And, and when you put out your shingles, so to speak, were you instantly uh, successful, fame, fortune, and all that? figures <laughs> <laughs> in the first year. No, I think my path was pretty typical of, um, of most entrepreneurs. You start out and you go, oh my gosh, is anyone going to hire me? And then suddenly someone does and you go, hallelujah. And you yeah. see the first couple of years really kind of, first of all, getting used to the idea that people will actually hire you as an independent person without that brand, by the way, behind you of the agency that you worked for. And also, I would say, being very opportunistic about, you know, what I, what kind of work I did at that time. And by opportunistic, I mean, opportunistic versus strategic. So, if you're to be true strategic, which ultimately in the end you do want to be, it means to focus on, I want to work for these kind of clients in these kind of scenarios. And so in the beginning, I intentionally said, I'm going to work for anybody who needs strategy help of any kind that I sort of know how to provide. And then I'm going to see sort of organically what happens. And that's how I ended up moving from consumer goods 
to a, I would say 70 or 80% of the work I do is now in healthcare. And a lot of that is in healthcare technology. And I had worked in neither healthcare nor technology before I started my business. And wow. so I think for me, that was a very positive experience of saying, let me be open to all things. And I found this area where I have a lot of interest and there's a lot of demand um, that's been really exciting. I think I was reading on your website, you have some uh, processes and some uh, tools that I think are kind of proprietary things you use to help your clients. Can you talk about a few of those? Yeah, I mean, proprietary is a strong word, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what works for you? <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, I think um, in the same way that, you know, if you go to a yoga class, you're there with a okay, it's a vinyasa class, right? But every teacher has their own kind of proprietary way of teaching. In the same way, if you go to a branding agency or a branding professional, there's a set of tools like we're going to talk to customers or we're going to create you a PowerPoint deck that are pretty uh, across the board. That's what you're going to get or we're going to design your logo. But the way they do it, there's as many ways to do it as there are agencies or professionals. And so from that perspective, I brought to it who I am, I guess, as we all do when we build our business, right? So as a visual artist and having a visual um, kind of bent to the way I do things, I, in those, for example, in workshop sessions that I run with clients, that's a pretty standard approach that you would take if you're doing a brand positioning uh, job or an innovation job. You would get the key team members into a room, you would create, you know, a set of objectives for what you want to get out of that session, and then you would do a set of exercises that engages the team. So the so-called proprietary piece is the exercises that I've kind of developed or customized that help them, for example, in brand positioning, think about who their brand is, who they want it to be in the world, um, what kind of credentials can they point to that make that believable, um, and, um, any other elements about their brand that are important to their customers. And I do that with tools that are very much based around collage. I even do some, you know, sculptural stuff. I do um, sort of post-it poetry. Um, you know, so I've developed some fun kind of creative tools that make the session a little bit different from what they might have experienced in the past and what I believe and have seen to be really great thought starters. Um, it's, you know, that make it easier than going in cold and saying, okay, guys, let's sit down and think about who we want to be next year. Right. So what do you enjoy the most? Do you, um, do you have people that uh, hire you to like create a, a brand new brand or do they have a brand that's been around for whether five years or 20 years, like to update and enhance or to rebrand? Like what kind of, what really uh, lights your fire? I do all of those things and they all have their charms. I would say my favorite, well, so before I get to the stage of the game, that's my favorite, I would say that the juiciest kind of work for anyone in my field is where you have the opportunity to sort of come in and do the whole project properly. So to really start with um, defining what the objectives are, then going out and talking to the customers, then coming back and engaging the team to 
you know, think mindfully about where we're going and how we're going to get there. And then you develop the strategy and then you develop the creative. That's the ideal project. You don't always get to do that. Clients don't always have a budget for that. They sometimes call you in when they've already had a few false starts or they're in a different part of the process. So that's my ideal job. You know, in terms so, of, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say in terms of where, you know, what size company it is, I, I really do. They all, they all have their charms. I mean, I, I think that there's a particularly fun sweet spot when a company is in um, not so early stage that they don't quite know what they're doing and they're still in that what I called opportunistic phase, but they've kind of clarified who they are and what they want to be, but they're still at that sort of less than 20 people core team and they have a really clear brand and they need to put it kind of to lock it down before they grow so that they don't lose that magic special sauce that they've created. That's a really fun time to come in. Do people, I guess, in the uh, who might need help with rebranding or been in business a long time, do, do you find they're too emotionally attached or if they come to you, they need help, but can't you just add some red to it or something? You know, what's, what's some of the biggest challenges you have with, with some, of, some of the larger clients? I mean, sometimes there's lack of alignment, like especially in a larger organization, that can be an issue. I think it's not so much a problem that they're at the stage of rebranding because in an ideal situation, if they've gotten to a place where they're willing to engage somebody and put a budget in, against engaging someone to do the rebrand, they're, they're committed to it. Or at least someone is committed, the project leader is committed to it. The only times when it can get tricky is if there's not alignment on the team about either whether they should be doing the work they're doing or what direction they see that the work should be going. That hasn't happened that often to me. I mean, maybe that's just luck, um, but, but when it does that, that can be challenging. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, so your agency, in addition to creative, do you, do you place advertising and things like that or are you more on the creative side? No, we do not get into the execution in terms of advertising or public relations or social media management. Um, what we'll do is we'll get to the point, if, if that's what's desired, we'll get to the point where we can brief those agencies um, on sort of, you know, here we'll create a set of brand guidelines, for example. So here's the brand Bible that says, all the stuff about the strategy and it's designed in a way that makes it clear kind of visually what the brand is about. And here are the guidelines around the logo and the colors and the typefaces and all of that good stuff. And we can then hand that off to the advertising agency, for example, who's going to create a print ad or a TV ad. Do you like working with like big companies? I mean, in your, in your kind of former life, you said you work with, I think um, some of the fortune 50 companies and things like that. And, or do you still work with those companies through your own agency or are you working with kind of small to medium sized companies? I do still work with large companies. Um, I have a, a really a portfolio strategy around that. You know, I'll have one or two really large companies I'll work with each year and then maybe a half dozen of the mid and small size companies. Um, because for me that they, they give me different kind of, pleasure <laughs> to work yeah. with them. Um, what I think was amazing about earlier in my career when I worked with, you know, 
BCG is a very large company, and so their clients tend to be very large companies. And um, and then even the smaller branding agencies I worked for um, were working for larger companies. And doing that early in your career is, I think, was really great because I learned so much from, you know, if you're at Pepsi, those guys are very, very sophisticated marketers. And so you're learning a lot from your clients and the bar is very high that they expect in return from you. And so I feel like I came away from those experiences with a real level of professionalism that I can deliver to a client of any size, even if it's someone, you know, I now work some often with clients who are more or less like me. They have a small business that's just them and they're really thinking about where do I go from here in my career and in my business and I'm able to bring those kind of years of experience and that level of professionalism to them because I was able to work with those large companies. Right. What do you, just curious, we got about um, six more minutes here. When you're working with a, um, let's just go with like a small business owner and maybe like, you know, they've kind of handled everything themselves, chief cook and bottle washer, like we all start out. And now they're looking to take their brand to the, to the next level. Maybe they've got just, maybe they don't even have a brand. How, what are the steps you go through, um, you know, when, when there's not a huge um, account or budget, what, what are some of the steps you go through to create a brand for like a small business? So I've developed a one-day workshop version that has all the same elements that I would take a larger client through over the course of, you know, a six-week period and kind of broken it down into you know, for example, the customer research, I can't do that for them in a, in a one day format or in a one day budget, but I can give them the questions that they can ask for feedback from their customers, for example. And then in the session, we would do all the same bits that we would do, that I would do with a larger client. And also because it's one person, it goes a little faster than if you have a room of 10 people. Um, so that works out pretty well. And what I'm now working on developing is doing that in a multi-person workshop format, because even in the one person workshop format, it's still, it's a budget investment for that person. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to make it more accessible to people at a lower price point so that, and also I think it's, could be kind of cool for them to learn from each other and inspire each other if you're in a five or 10 person group with other entrepreneurs. What's the, what, what goes into your, your uh, creativity as it relates to whether it's online or offline? I mean, so many some businesses are both, but clearly some are mostly online. And then there's some that, uh, you know, I would say brick and mortar, but they do have an, an uh, online presence. What, what does that change the equation at all? I think nowadays, not really at all, you know, because I don't do operations. Of course, if I were doing logistics, that would right. be very different, but the brand, uh, well, should be anyway, the brand is the brand is the brand, it should be consistent across all of the touch points, all of the ways that you touch your customers or whoever your constituents are, um, should be consistent. And so a lot of what I do with companies that have multiple outlets is helping them make sure that their brand is consistent. It's actually a little easier if you have, you know, we have a website, that's where we sell through, that's where we communicate through. And it's just then about making sure our social media outlets are consistent. Um, yeah, but I don't think the strategy changes. Gotcha. Um, what would be one tip that you would give somebody who, 
um, wants to create a, a, a brand that's going to be really engaging, um, what, what should they be thinking about? Can I give two? Because I think they're equally important. And oh, give three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so the first one, okay, I have three. In fact, my process is three parts. So good, I get to say all three. So the first thing I would say is start with empathy. Start by thinking about your customers, consumers, constituents, depending on what your business is, whoever your audience is. Think about who they are, what they need, what they aspire to, not just what they want in a widget, if you're selling widgets, but really try to think about and learn about their world so that you can put yourself in their shoes and think about how you can serve them better. The second thing I would say that's very important is to think about your own self, your identity, your values, so that everything you do is coming from a place that's um, genuine, that's aligned with your values, and that's authentic. Um, and then the third thing is about connection. So you can do all of those things right, um, but communicating, especially in a world where there's a lot of noise, right, is sometimes not that easy. So not to forget about that third piece where, you know, you need to be out there connecting with people, not just putting stuff on social media platforms, but thinking more creatively about how you can connect one-on-one -on -one sometimes or connect in person sometimes or give talks or just be present for your audience. Got it. Great. Three great tips. Well, Susan, what a fun interview. Thank you so much for coming. How can, uh, what's a good place for people to go connect with you and, and learn more about your, uh, your business? Sure. The easy thing to do is follow on Twitter, Susan H. Meyer, and all of my business information is there. Wonderful. Susan, thanks so much for being my guest on Dream Business Radio. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Susan Meyer. Um, if you're connected with me here on the podcast, and that's the only thing you're connected with me, you can certainly fix that. You can go to getjimpalmer.com. That's my home base. Everything emanates off of that, getjimpalmer.com. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. You take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.